Welcome to season two of the Let's Talk podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church, where we talk about what it's like to be a Christian Monday through Saturday, to be a person of faith in a culture against faith. So let's talk about saving money. Let's do it. This is one of the most common, uh, reoccurring, and popular New Year's resolutions. Um, and let's talk about why this happens. Okay. Clayton, what percent of eligible Americans are invested in the stock market? Oh, if I had to venture a guess. Mm-hmm. 60%, 70, somewhere in there? Less than 55. Oh, okay. Somewhere in between 52 and 54%, depending on how it's polled and studied. Okay. Um, what percent of Americans live paycheck to paycheck? Oh, um, a large amount. I don't yeah, more, more than 75%. Yeah. Um, most Americans do not have a thousand dollars in their savings account. Yeah. Um, most Americans live yeah. paycheck to paycheck. Um, and so, and we are like the most in debt that we've ever been. Also true. So not only do they not have much liquid cash, they're also not equity positive because they have credit card debt or car debt or student loan debt. Right. So, unfortunately, unfortunately, this is a conversation that we have to have. Right. Um, so, that explains why most people want to save money. I don't need to share the statistics with you again to show you that most people don't end up saving money. Right. Why do you think that is? And I really want your opinion on this question because um, the social work student aspect of it and you're about to graduate. And right. <laughs> uh, so the reasons people couldn't save is people in like with lower incomes um, typically do lean more in urban areas. Mm -hmm. Um, And so because of that, rent is higher in more urban areas. That's true. Um, Groceries are more expensive in those areas as well. Um, So cost of living just in general uh, is is higher than the normal person living to paycheck to paycheck can really afford. Yeah, um, that's just one of many reasons. But yeah, so I also think it, it's a misnomer that poor, or low income, or poverty level people are the only ones that live paycheck to paycheck. Mm. Uh, as someone who uh, has worked for many years at a law firm in the suburbs of Houston, um, specifically family law and seeing divorces of middle-class white Americans, um, that paycheck-to-paycheck problem exists far beyond low-income people. Yeah. Um, And so I think this, no matter whether you make 
you know, $150,000 a year, $75,000 a year, $35,000 a year. Um, I think per capita, those people all still live paycheck to paycheck Mm -hmm. at the same rate. Yeah. Um, I don't have a statistic for that, but that would be my suspicion is, um, that it would, you would have to get above $250,000 a year to see a massive gap in the amount of people that stop living paycheck to paycheck. Now it would gradually get, I think you know, a right. little bit, but to see right. a massive change, you'd have to be above $250,000, which is only like the top 5% of American incomes. Right. Um, I think you're, I, I think you're probably right about that. So I, th- I do think saving money is a conversation that everyone should have. And you know, the, the goal of a thousand dollars, I think is a, like a really good one Yeah. because there are very few real problems in life that don't have some kind of payment plan option right. that can't be solved with a thousand dollars. Um, for one example, uh, like I would never advise someone to buy tires on a credit card mm. that they couldn't pay off right away. Mm. I mean, the interest alone is just going to eat you up. Right. Um, but if you needed six, 700 bucks for tires, right. Thousand bucks covers that. Um, and you it still got you some left over. Fund. Yeah. Um, it gives you a substantial amount of money towards any car problem for a car you had medical problems, medical, medical issue. You know, it gives you, it's half the way there towards deductibles and that, you know, out of pocket maximums and those kinds of things. Thousand dollars plus, I mean, med- when you get into medical stuff, there's payment plans, right? So you don't even have to use it all the time. Right. Um, but it, it's there if you need it. Right, that, it's that's there. what it's there for. It's the, yeah, it's it's there if you need it, um, and it makes sense why people want to save money, and they that that should be a goal for them. I do think one of the reasons that it's so difficult for people to save money is because whether or not we still put it on billboards, uh, the American dream is still very much oh, so alive for and well. Sure. Yeah, I was trying not to go there um, because that does kind of, that leads into a different conversation um, about, more about people's ethic. Um, that uh, does exist. The problem does exist. What, what do you mean more about their ethic? Pursuing a life, pursuing a bougie life. You know, going and buying, um, I, I, I don't know a, a way to, to say this that isn't gendered in some way on either side. Okay. But like, oh, okay. Going and buying a car that you can't afford. Well, right. That's a, that's a, that's the way the American dream has been realized. Right. But the original American dream was a very simple life of a, you know, 16, 1700 square foot house, mm-hmm. three bed, two bath, white picket fence mm-hmm. with 2.2 kids. <laughs> that was, that yeah. was the American dream for most people. Of course you had the opportunist and, mm-hmm. um, the entrepreneurs that utilized the American dream in other ways. But for the average person, that was the American dream. Right. Uh, at least, you know, 50s and 60s. 
Um, so my comment about the American dream is not so much about someone's ethic, but the way that the American dream has been realized is that life wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. That 1,600 square foot house, 2.2 kids, white picket fence, that was not enough. We yeah. needed more. Right. America is a more culture. Yep. And so Always. we needed more. And it's the perpetual pursuit of more mm-hmm. that makes us impossible to save anything. Because if it's not more as in, oh, I've got to do more, mm-hmm. I've got to spend more, I've got to buy more, yeah. I've got... More is a category that shows up in lots of different ways, of which means that money is the commodity that you use in in a, in your pursuit of more, mm. and therefore you spend it rather than save it. Right. I think I agree with you. Um, yeah, like, and also there is the the debate that I have found is becoming a big thing. Um, Or maybe it's always been a thing and I'm just now noticing it, but people not wanting to save money to still have a social life. Oh yeah, that's common. That's Um, common. Now I'll also tell you, I'm pretty convinced that's unique to millennials. And below, yeah, I would probably say Millennials and younger. I would probably say That's unique to us. Community means something different, and to us now, um, and and having your friend group, I think I don't know. I don't want to say that. I don't want to say that. I take that back. I take that back. I think I think it always meant the same thing, but maybe it's higher priority now than it was before. So I think I know what you're trying to say. Um, and I was actually having this conversation over this weekend. Um, I think community has always been the same level of importance, right. but the manner in which community was achieved was very different. Um, and That's now the with the increase of technology and technological advancement, where that I literally have so many different ways to communicate with someone. I can pick my community now rather than my community was what was accessible to me. Mm -hmm. And the, the example that I will use to affirm this for you is that in the last hundred years, we've seen a major shift in the way that people live their lives Mm -hmm. previously to the last dating back to 150 years ago in America. Most people hung out on their front porch, Mm -hmm. the white picket fence was because their fence was in the front yard. Right. Most people hung out in the front yard. Why? Because most people didn't have a telephone. Mm -hmm. And so they needed to be able to see when people showed up because that's the only way you talk to people. Well, then with the invention of the telephone, we could move to the backyard because we could hear the telephone ring. Mm -hmm. And, but we still didn't have full access to people. And so we had chain link fences between houses because I still want, I wanted to get to know my neighbor. Like I wanted to be able to have that level of relationship. But then as technology continued to advance and we got cell phones and FaceTime and these things, what happened to those side fences? They, they became privacy fences because I didn't need to have a relationship with that person anymore because now my span of influence, the people that I can keep connected with with social media and all these things, email, 
I can now have that level of relationship with someone else that I pick that I don't have to have right there. Yeah. And so it's, it's technology and the advancement of the ways in which we can communicate people that have changed the need to go out and spend money and prioritize it that way. Mm -hmm. And it's because I keep relationships with people that I don't see regularly because they, they no longer live next door to me or in my cul-de-sac or, you know, in my cubicle next to me at work, Mm -hmm. I've now chosen them and they live all over the city or all over the state or all over the world. And we have to meet up Mm -hmm. and it costs money to do that because we don't see each other regularly. That all makes so much more sense. I think, I think it's a that that makes a lot of sense. I, I think I would agree. I think it's it's once again, Clayton. I've been having this metaphorical conversation all night. I keep telling Clayton, you need to think more macro. You need to think bigger picture. <laughs> once again, thinking more macro about this issue, I think there are lots of things. Listener, that, you have to understand. My brain is wired yeah. to take the information in the macro yeah. and apply it to the micro. To the individual. Yeah, that, that's that true. That is yeah. how my brain works. And Cullen's like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> just stop here. <laughs> yeah, dude, just leave, like the macro, like if you figure out the macro, it's definitely going to dictate how the, the micro is impacted. And Clayton always wants to leave the macro conversation uh, too early, I think. And so... <laughs> In the, in the larger macro conversation about the reason that people don't save money, and, and I will say that, don't save. I think, it's the, I think it's the exception to the rule as far as percentage of American population and median income um, when you cross-reference that with cost of living mm-hmm. averages. Uh, I think it's a minority of people that live at such an impoverished level that it's impossible for them to save money. Um, Now, I will also say, notice I didn't say how much an individual would be eligible, like would be able to save. Um, And, you know, I, I had an old man tell me one time that the way he lived his life was he just kind of told himself that every dollar he made, he was going to make sure that he saved something from it. Mm -hmm. Even if it was only a penny, he was going to save at least one one hundredth of his money. Um, and that man became a multimillionaire and he was a carpenter. Interesting. It's an interesting philosophy, actually. So I I think there are lots of things and the conversation about saving money as a New Year's resolution, I think philosophically is a really good one. Yeah. The world operates according to money. Uh, whether we want it to or not, it does. Um, and so the goal to save money, I think, is extremely valuable. Mm-hmm. Um but I think most people don't do it because in order to do it, you have to change an element of your lifestyle. Yeah. Well, and that's what I was about to say is inherently what the goal does for most people, at least, is it tries to bring balance and moderation. Yes. Right. 
um, at, a, at a very fundamental level, that's what it's trying to do. Mm. And I think the biblical story is all about balance and moderation. Not all about, but like there's a large portion of it that is like, hey, you don't need all this excess stuff. Oh, right. One thousand like, percent. You don't need all these extra things. Yes. Um so balance well, and balance in all things. Well, and I, I love that you use the word balance because yes, it is a balance. You it's need a to have. it's a yeah, you don't need all these things, but also if you have them, make sure you take care of those who don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is the whole idea of the quartet of the vulnerable. That is the idea of caring for the poor, caring for the oppressed, caring for the immigrant, the foreigner. I mean, all of that is about them not having money and the ability or accessibility uh, to care for themselves on their own. Yeah, I was having a conversation with one of my coworkers earlier, er, earlier last week. And we were talking about preachers and sneakers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we were also talking about that new one that's like got with the pastors and their watches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that right there, Yeah, that's too much. Yep. If you're wearing, you know, $150,000 on your wrist, yeah, that's excess, that's a vanity, that's too much. Yeah. You no, know no. what I mean? Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. And so definitely balance in that side as well yeah right um but fundamentally back to the whole idea of saving money it's trying to create balance in your life yeah and and you need you need that balance and also i hate to be this guy but scripture kind of says to be a good steward Okay, so right. I was, I, yeah, so I was going to comment on this too. And then it felt a little weird because you brought up preachers and sneakers. <laughs> but I do think in a conversation of balance, which is what I think you're looking for when you begin to have a conversation about saving money, right. is you're looking for balance across your life, across your mm-hmm. budget and these things. And in order to achieve that, you have to look at your life and go, okay, where are the places that I'm living in excess? And you draw those back in mm-hmm. and you begin to save money because you've balanced your life out. Right. And what that inevitably does or you've you've taken and redistributed. Correct. Which is a form of balancing. More balance, right. Yeah. Because you've taken a, an, an element of excess. And so as you you do that journey and you take from this excess and redistribute and balance it out, it, it levels your life out and you begin to feel uh more secure because you have some you right. have some savings, you have some balance in your life. And so I think the other element of that, and and this is, you know, I don't like much about Dave Ramsey, if I'm being honest. Yeah. The thing that I do love about Dave's system is he, he always wants you giving. Mm-hmm. If you ask him, he's like, at any point in this journey, you need to be giving. Because yeah. there's just something about giving and balancing and understanding that you are having an impact on something bigger than you. Now, I would also say, don't don't give your money to churches that have 70% of their budget eat, eat, uh, ate up in overhead mm-hmm. and their building. So I wasn't going to go the giving route. Oh. Yeah, that's I not. Do, yeah, I do think that... I, uh, I, think, I think that is a 
balanced portion yeah. of, of what you need to do. Um, I was just going in the direction of philosophically. Oh, don't be dumb with your money. Oh, got you. Right. Like, got you. Um, but yes, also giving is a big thing. And that's what we were talking about earlier. If you're making all this money yeah, and you don't need it, the yep. balanced thing to do would be to give it to those who need it. Correct. Right. Any um, kind of nonprofit, ju- nonprofit slash justice mm. initiated organization um, that is being financially, fiscally responsible with their money, I think is a, 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 any one of them. You can yeah. go give to them. And I think you'll definitely balance out your life. And I do think that as you balance that out, and I don't want to say become more responsible with your money because I'm not necessarily saying that people that don't save money are irresponsible with their money. Um, and so I don't want to say you become more responsible, but as you begin to build these systems that kind of dictate your money, that just kind of run how your money works, um, I do think if you're doing all of these things, you're going to be more conscientious about money, which is naturally going to help your your mind Right. assist you to save more money if that's your goal. Right. But it can also open you up to investing money or um, growing in these other ways or giving more, which right. Lord knows we need more people giving, mm-hmm. um, which even... Just w- across the issue of nonprofit. Yeah, even Wellhouse. We are a nonprofit and, you know, everybody give, or not everybody, but all a lot of people give to us, but we even give 10% of our money away to other nonprofits. And it's one of our goals to get that up closer to like 30%. So... I mean, I think giving and saving and being fiscally responsible is absolutely good with your money. And if you do that, if you are fiscally responsible, or not, if you are, I keep saying that because that's the common metaphor so, that people use, but I'm not I'm If not you saying, have a balanced money life. Yes, there you go. If you have a balanced money life, um, there's no question to me that that's honoring to God because you're going to have more capacity to bless those in need of blessing. Thanks for listening to the Let's Talk podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church. Be sure to give us a rating and a review if you enjoyed the episode. It's free and it helps us immensely. Also, feel free to check out our other podcasts.